Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious and loving Father, we thank you for the gift of the Word made flesh, your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You remind us today of the power and authority of your word. And we pray that you would remind us, not just today, but every day in our lives, that we live in your power and authority, and that the word that we speak, your word, carries with it the power to change the lives of people and the authority to stand against evil. Father, be with us as we stand on your word and live your word and share your word in our world and in our culture today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Power and authority. You know, as you try to deal with those two words in Scripture and the understanding of those two words, I think it would be very easy to put together a whole multi-part lesson, perhaps a seminary course or college-level course on just power and authority in Scripture. You see it from the very beginning, where the spoken word brings into into very existence, the world and the universe in which we live. You see it throughout the pages of the Old Testament, and you hear it from the cross. God's word, spoken to us through his prophets. You got to love this picture. When you think of Moses, most of us think of Let's face it, Charlton Heston. But what did Moses do? He delivered God's word to Pharaoh. But more importantly, he delivered God's word to the children of Israel. And he used the word of God to guide the children of Israel through the wilderness into the very doorstep of the promised land. In our Old Testament reading this morning, Moses is reminding the people that God will continue to work through prophets, that he will continue to speak to the people through them, just as he has spoken through Moses. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And while those words of God to Moses are very much in the singular and very much we can look at and say that they point to the ultimate prophet who is Jesus Christ, 
Yet we know that those words also lend to the whole aspect of how God continued to guide and to lead his children through prophets of the Old Testament. And there are many. And sometimes the children of Israel listened, and sometimes they didn't. And we can say even sometimes the prophets listened. And as we saw last week with Jonah, sometimes they didn't. Like the prophets of old, we inherit the responsibility of sharing God's word with his people. And sometimes we, like the prophets of old, listen to God, and sometimes we, like Jonah, want to do it our own way. But the word of God still dwells richly in our hearts, and we carry it with us wherever we go. Sometimes we just fall a little short because we forget that God's word dwelling in our hearts and in our lives carries with it the same power and authority that God granted to the prophets of long ago. We, like them, can look at other people, and if you prefer the King James, we can say to them, Thus saith the Lord, as we speak his word. We begin to see even more clearly in our gospel lesson this morning from the gospel of Mark just who Jesus is and the power and the authority that he carries with him. By the way, we are going to be in the gospel of Mark for many months. We'll deviate from it a little bit during the season of Lent. But we get to see in the Gospel of Mark a a conciseness, if you will. A desire on the part of of Mark to, to tell us exactly who Jesus is and not to hold back. Because, you know, see, Mark wants us to know that this, this Jesus is not just an ordinary prophet like those of the Old Testament or even like, like John the Baptist, but this is a, a prophet who, who literally is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And we see in the Gospel of Mark this morning the very first miracle that Jesus does according to Mark. We see him teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, a a city which becomes essentially the the headquarters or the home base of, of Jesus and his disciples for the next several years. He's there and he goes to the synagogue and our text tells us today that he entered and was teaching. So once again, he is in the synagogue and he's handed the scrolls and he unrolls the scrolls and he's teaching and the text doesn't tell us specifically what he's teaching that day, but it does tell us that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. What does that mean? 
It means that he spoke the word of God directly to the people. That he didn't hem and haw. That he didn't try to say, well, maybe this or maybe that. He didn't try to soft sell it or sell it short. He simply laid it out there the way it was. And he spoke with authority. And what he did is he spoke God's word with authority. They weren't used to that. Which kind of makes me wonder what kind of teaching's been going on in the synagogue for years. But they find it refreshing. There are people today who hunger for God's word. They may not even know it, but God has prepared their hearts. And we, when we begin to speak God's word directly and clearly to people, they hunger for it. They're ready for it. They find it refreshing and filled with hope for their lives. And we forget that because the devil has our minds all befuddled and we think that everybody out there, when they hear God's word, is automatically going to reject it or slam the door in our face or think that we're kind of weird or whatever. But it's not true. The Holy Spirit is still working. And he's still working in the lives of people that he wants to draw into faith. And they need to hear God's word. And as scripture reminds us, how are they going to hear if no one tells them? Do not be afraid to share the word of God. Yes, sometimes it's going to fall on the hard path or among the thorns or whatever it might be. But it's also going to fall in the rich soil of the hearts that God has prepared, people who need to be refreshed and people who are hungry for a word of authority. And Mark, as is his pattern, continues on. Better not be my son. Mark is as his pattern says, and immediately. One of the things you're going to see in the Gospel of Mark is Mark is always in a hurry to tell the story. And immediately there was one in their synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, when you speak God's word and you teach God's word with authority, it raises the hackles of the evil one. He doesn't want to hear it, and he doesn't want other people to hear it. And so he's going to try to get in the way sometimes. What's he doing here? Trying to distract people away from what Jesus was just teaching. Let's get everybody focused again on the devil, on the things of the world, and away from God. And yet, even in the midst of that distraction in the midst of trying to pull people away from the teaching of Christ. This is the first individual in the Gospel of Mark who actually confesses who Christ is. Comes out of the mouth of a man possessed by demons. I know who you are. The Holy One of God. 
the Christ, the Messiah. But Jesus rebukes him, and Jesus says, Be silent and come out of him. Seven simple words in the English language. Not that Jesus spoke English. But in our translation, seven simple words. Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing the man and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Jesus speaks with authority. And even the devil cannot stand in the face of the authority of God's word. That's why Luther reminds us in the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, that one little word can fell him. I always wanted to correct Luther and say in English it's seven. We just rewrite the hymn, seven little words can fell him. Simple. But it's not the way it was supposed to happen. You see, to cast out a demon took a whole lot more in that time, they thought. You had to call in the special trained people from, the, from the, the leadership, the religious people of the day, and they had to go through a whole litany in a way of casting out the devil. And so Jesus says to them, come out of him. The devils come out. And it says, and they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits. And they obey him. God's word spoken by his people, still carries that same authority today. To rebuke the devil is something that we ought to do a little more often. Take words of Jesus himself when he was dialoguing with Peter to say, get thee behind me, Satan. To be like Luther and to grab the nearest thing, the inkwell, and to throw it at the devil and say, get out of here. Be able to recognize what, what Satan is doing in our lives and in our worlds to try to destroy us and say, I stand solidly on the word of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, be gone. But too often, we go through life not even recognizing how the devil's trying to destroy us and not really living with those spiritual discernment, as a, one of my professors used to say, that spiritual, in the days of these things, fuzzbusters, to recognize what the devil's trying to do. 
trying to lead us astray with this temptation or that temptation. Trying to get us to shrug off the word of God and say, well, that's just the way it is. Or trying to change the focus of our lives to be even more worldly, perhaps, than it already is. And we get kind of immune to it. We shrug it off and we don't, like Jesus, rebuke it. But there's more to the power and authority of Jesus than just casting out demons because the power and the authority that God gives to him we see throughout his ministry. We all remember the wonderful story of, of Jesus being in that house that's kind of packed in and they, well, they want to get a lame man to him so that Jesus can heal him and they lower him down through the roof. What does Jesus do? Let me question you all. What's the first thing Jesus says to the man? Does anybody remember in that story? Does he say, be healed? He says, your sins are forgiven. And that's what astounds the people there. How can he, this, this carpenter's son from Nazareth, how dare he forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Well, duh. Who do you think you have before you? See, they haven't drawn that connection yet. But how does Jesus respond to their discontent, their questioning? He says to them, so that you may know that I have the power to forgive sins. He turns to the man and he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And so often we look at that account and we think that the miracle is in the man rising, taking up his bed and walking out of there. But the real miracle, the real power, and the real authority and the same power and authority that God gives to us today is to forgive sins. Now I might say it on a Sunday morning, as he called and ordained servant of the word, and in the stead and by the command of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. But we all can do that. We can all turn to Carl and say, Carl, you're my brother in Christ. I forgive you for wearing that shirt. Or I can turn to, to Randy and say, I forgive you, brother. We can practice that power and that authority with each other. And we can extend it to the lives of people around us. Because God's word carries the power to forgive sins. And in so doing, it opens up eternity to each and every one who has been forgiven. 
So often we think, well, I don't really have the power of God. I can't, I can't heal somebody and make them walk, or I can't raise the dead, or I can't, I can't even cure a common cold. Really? Why do we dismiss the power and the authority to forgive sins so readily and easily and to recognize that, that that is the most important power and the highest authority that God gives to us? is to care for one another and to extend the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ earned for us on a cross to the world around us. We stand on his word. We live in his word. And we carry his word in our lives to the people around us who need to know they have a Savior who loves them so much that he died for their sins. And the power is is given to us to forgive those sins in the name of Jesus and to bring people by the power of that word and spirit into eternity. Power and authority. It's ours because of Christ. So let's not just sit on it. Let's use it. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.